Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to another episode of True Crime and Cocktails, Unsolved Mysteries Edition. I am Lauren Ash. How's everybody feeling? We hope you're well. As always, I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Christy Oxborough. Christy, how you uh, feeling? I'm not going to lie. I'm a little hungover today. Uh, but oh. not the way you think. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, not, I, haven't, I, I didn't have any alcohol yesterday. I think I'm just research hungover. Because like oh, wow. last night, sure. last night I swear sure. to God I found a lead or a lead to me, a lead that I thought was right. like oh oh this is something, and then down the rabbit hole and it's four thirty and I'm like I I need to go to bed and I laid in bed and was like oh God am I what did I look into this did I check this and that it's just it doesn't stop it doesn't stop yeah. And I think what what the listeners need to know is that is that you know it seems like we're just producing like some fun <laughs> fluffy content, but the truth is is that it has changed your life in so many uh, ways. A lot less free time, a lot more slight <laughs> panic attacks. Just just you know, sure, just like a, a cozy sure. warm hug of a panic attack. You know, just like it's great. I'm loving it. Yeah. But I think that the people know that what we bring to the table here is is your anxiety-inducing level yeah. of care. and That's what you bring to the research in these cases, and I think that's what people are already very quickly growing to love. Yeah. So we thank you. I will thank you on behalf of the listeners. Thank you for, thank you for your, your sleepless <laughs> nights of anxiety-riddled <laughs> dreams and no sleep. <laughs> we reap the benefits. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Oh, I'm not staying on brand. You're doing great. You're doing great. Listen, brands morph and evolve over time, okay? And 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 you're still humble. You're still humble to me. Now, this this of course segues very naturally into what you drinking. I've been in I've been in 
just deep research mode because the we did not have a lot of time from the new episodes coming out yes. to us then spending a good half a day deciding which one we were going to do next. And then just like, yes, we have other stuff on the go and just like the amount of things I'm trying to do. So I kind of forgot to reef put more in the fridge to restock the fridge, I guess is appropriate words because my brain is just done at this point. Uh, so I forgot to restock yeah, the fridge. Uh, I only had a single Palm Bay and I knew that wasn't going to get me through it. So I thought I'll just go with my standby. I like a, I like a cherry whiskey and Coke, but we ran out of, course. of cherry whiskey, but never fear. I had sent my husband. I was like, here, liquor store. These are the things. He brought it back. It's the same bottle, same company. I'm like, great. Can't wait. Crack it open. I'm like, something seems wrong. Something's weird. Oh, that's because it's, it's, it's not whiskey. It's, it's brandy. Oh, there dear. is a <laughs> very large taste difference, as you would expect. Ooh, so, yeah. um, and I, mm-hmm. I'm used to the, the whiskey one. So I've just like a little, like not just a glug, but like a, oh, bl- 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 like a little extra. <laughs> and so <laughs> you got uh, heavy handed. I, I got may you. Have to yeah. Start with the Pombe and go into the next one. We'll see what happens, but... What I like is that you're frantic, you're manic, you're underslept, and now you're drinking, you're guzzling, not the alcohol you wanted. I mean, I feel like we're going to get a real cool 90 minutes out of you, you know what I mean? Unless it's uh, you and red wine. I mean, who knows? Well, oh, that's a disaster. Maybe that's me and Brandy. Well, that's why Um, I've... (laughs) <laughs> well, what I like is that all of these listeners are going to get to follow us on, on, my journey. on your yeah, journey yeah. to Brandy. Well, <laughs> sip up, Buttercup. Listen, I've gone for an OG tonight. I've gone for my favorite. Again, we get no money from these people. Keep this in mind. And we'll let you know if they start paying us. But so far, nothing. Uh, but oh, LaMarca Prosecco. Yeah, yeah. This, for me, is my number one. I love it. I it's I should have bought stock in the company. I drink so much of it. And so that's, that's what I'm into. Um, just a nice old friend. Like, like giving yourself, seeing a friend you haven't seen in some time. And it's like, no, another hug, you know, here we go. You're hugging the insides. I'm uh, (laughs) trying to hug my own brain, but it's just strangling itself. I think somehow. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You're, you're slowly somehow on the brink of death for sure. Um, well, speaking of that, listen, as Christy mentioned, we did spend a lot of time trying to decide what episode we should start with. Uh, we know that there was a huge response from viewers about a couple of episodes of the new batch of the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries series. And so the one we have gone with is A Death in Oslo. And I am very excited. Now, again, I think part of the reason, and I'm not, I don't think I'm spoiling anything about what we're <laughs> about to present to people. One of the reasons why you've been going crazy is this is a crazy making case. Yeah. This is, I mean, for people who've watched it, um, you know what I'm talking about. For those who haven't yet, very quickly, you know, it's it's a lot of mystery with a lot of dead ends. There's like a reporter who's been who's been searching about this and researching about this yeah. for like 25 years and still still can't figure it out. So I think that that's enough to basically drive anyone crazy. And I think it's great that you're holding up as well as you are. Yeah, look, I just, I'm to a point now, I just want to meet the meet the reporter and then be like, okay. Of course. Let's talk. What have you not told people? Like, what are the secret files that you're waiting to, like, he's got to have something, right? 
that like that like release the tapes. I get it. You can't release that yet. And he's like, okay, but he knows. And so I just obviously this isn't going to be true. But if this was a movie, he'd be the killer. Oh, yeah, for sure. He seems like a wonderful gentleman and he's been he's been driving himself crazy with this for decades but i'm just saying oh that's a twist right that would be the twist for sure yeah well listen i must also remember uh remember i must also remind everyone who's listening go to our instagram page at true crime and cocktails there will be a case file there for this case as there is every week so if there's any visuals that christy brings up you're going to want to make sure you you're following us or visiting us so you can see those visuals as you listen along you can also watch these videos uh the full unedited zoom videos on our website truecrimeandcocktails.com i will stress (laughs) that they're unedited so (laughs) there'll be little bits that you'll get uh with those that you probably don't even want but they're there so there you go um now very quickly before we get into the case i do have to just quickly bring up to you uh when i hear murder (laughs) hotel the first thing that i think of is a little trip that christy and i took to sweet sweet disneyland um now this was the first time i had taken you correct we really kicked it off right yeah 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 we kicked it off right so basically i am a psycho for people who don't know this i love disneyland uh, and I have drawn Christy into my web of obsession. And she came to visit me um, from Saskatchewan down here to California. And I was like, we go straight to the park. We don't check into the hotel. We don't drop off our things. We go straight to the park. We spend the full day. Then we go to the hotel. We check in. We sleep for very few hours. And then we're back in that park. This is the plan, right? And then, of course, there's a second night in the hotel because, again, <laughs> I'm a psychopath. Anyway. So we do this whole day in the park. We have a grand time. We get to the hotel. And for some reason, and I don't know why I, I had wanted to be a bargain hunter at this time. I don't know. But I, I chose maybe a, a three-star over a four-star hotel. I don't know. I was like, oh, it's fine. It's a name brand. It'll be fine. We check in. Now, keep in mind, we're exhausted. We get into this room. It's a ground floor room. And there is no privacy curtains on the window. There's like a sheer... But you can see the the like if somebody was in the parking lot, they could just look in and watch us sleep. Like, yeah, it was terrifying. And we're like, oh, there's certainly there has to be drapes that will draw across. No, there was not. There was nothing to shield. Like you had to get changed in the bathroom. You couldn't. Not that we're you know getting nude in front of each other all the time. But my point being is, is that if we yeah. wanted to, we couldn't have uh, without the yeah. entire world seeing it. So cut to the next morning. I go to the front desk as we're we're on a very because I am very yeah, tight on 100%. tight on timelines, very tight. And I I go to the front desk and I'm like, look, there's a problem with the room and this is what it is. And they're like, no, you're wrong. That's impossible. And I'm like, we're, I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. And they're like, well, if you got a complaint, you got to call head office. So I'm like, well, we're not wasting any time. Get in the car. So the car ride. I'm on Bluetooth in the lineup. I'm on. Yeah. I'm on my cell phone to get into the park and I am fighting with these people from this hotel and the woman literally said we do not care if you didn't enjoy your stay we are a turnaround business we are not worried about your repeat business people come to Disneyland once they never come back we don't care and I was like this is terrible customer service and now it takes a lot for me to get rattled as you know but we're Canadian we're in line Christy and I so at this point I've been on the phone in the car, mm-hmm. in the parking lot, on the tram, in the line, and now we're in the park waiting in line to meet <laughs> Chip and Dale to get our picture taken. And we're getting closer and closer, and I'm realizing that this conversation is pointless, and they're not going to do anything. They're not going to change my room. They're not going to give me a refund. So literally, I scream into the phone, well, you could just go to hell. Hi, <laughs> Chip and Dale. <laughs> 
<laughs> Just a psychopath. Look, that whole moment was warranted. I'm sure Chippendale have heard Thank you. a lot. <laughs> um, You're right, but you're right. I mean, like, yeah, sheer curtains. There were curtains that are like the normal, like thick upholstery kind of like that you would pull. And we, we, we kept yes. pulling on them and they were only about a foot wide. So we kept pulling on it. We're like, are we not yes. figuring this out? How can we not figure this out? And then we decide to like fold out the curtain and we realize the curtain itself is actually only a foot wide. So we had to like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was your brilliant idea. We took to be able to sleep because it was like, I don't know, 3 a.m. by this point. And we just wanted to get like four of hours course. before we're up and out again. And so we're like, well, this is just where we are. People are going to watch us sleep. Yeah. We need to accept that. So right. we pulled the two curtain corners together and like <laughs> pinned them with a... Yeah, it was a pants hanger. So it had like the clips. So yeah. you could like hang But then slacks. it kept falling yeah, down. Yeah. So we used the ironing board and pressed it against just to, just to hold it there. But I just find it fascinating that they were like, what are you talking about? Of course there's curtains in that room. It's like... What? I know. And I was like, check the room. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to tell you. This is crazy. And then the fact that when the, the complaint escalated, they essentially told me verbatim, we yeah. just don't care. I mean, we were, anyway, long story short, did we get a new hotel for the second night? Of course we did. Uh, and it was much better uh, than the first one. Although the lock also <laughs> we had problems with in that one, but we were just happy that we had a, had proper window coverings. Yeah. So we were like, well, we'll chance it, I guess, by not having we an extra also, security lock. We also, the second hotel, door. we weren't on the ground floor. So at this point, we're like, no exactly. matter what, and that was they can't help. watch us sleep. They can get in, but they can't watch us sleep. <laughs> and somehow that, well, that we were better? also two days deep and just exhausted. And we were like, yep, it's fine. <laughs> if you're going to kill yeah. me, let me be yeah, sleeping exactly. at the time. Like we were, we were <laughs> tired and it was done. I do believe I have a photo of that. Anyway. Too. Yeah, I was just going to say, be sure to check out our Instagram page again at True Crime and Cocktails because we will post a picture of my very ingenious MacGyvering of those yeah. window coverings that we had. What a joke. Anyway, so that was from one murder <laughs> hotel to another. Let's get into it. The episode, of course, that we're going to be discussing is called A Death in Oslo. It's episode two of the new, yeah. the new ones. Here's a brief synopsis to get people up to speed if you're not, if you haven't watched the episode yet. So... In May 1995, a security guard at the luxury Oslo Plaza Hotel knocks on room 2805 to check on a guest when he hears a gunshot. After going for help, the security guard returns to the room to discover that the guest, Jennifer Fairgate, is dead. When the hotel starts to investigate, they find out that all of Jennifer's information is false, including her name. So what happened that night at the hotel? Was it suicide or was it murder? And who was Jennifer Fairgate? So we're just going to get into it. We're just going to dive right in because there's a lot of information to get through. So this all starts, she checks in May 31st, 1995, and then she extended her visit to Sunday. So she'd already been there for three days. Is that what's going on? Yeah, she checks in on the Thursday night. Thursday night? Wednesday night. Oh, fuck. I wish I had that written down. <laughs> like, look, guys, it's, it's, it's been a week. I, no, it hasn't even been a week. <laughs> it's been a lot. It, Listen, there's a lot going on. If of course, um, I'm I'm gonna say now it's a Wednesday because okay. that's in my gut. So she checks in the Wednesday, very late at night. 
uh, on the Friday, she extends her stay to Sunday, which is crazy that they even let her because she checked in, didn't give ID of any kind, no passport, no anything, no credit card, and they let it go. And then they let her extend it. And at this point, she hasn't paid anything. Wow. She never paid for the room at all. But then she extends it to Sunday. And then later that night, she orders room service. It shows up. She pays for that in cash and gives a very generous tip, as they say. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the next day, the hotel is like, hey, we need you need to come see the cashier. They can send messages to the room through the hotel or through the TV. Right. And somebody pressed OK on the remote to say, like, I've got the message. I get it. And then, like, minutes later, a woman uh, who was head of the uh, receptionist, she sees that, well, wait, we've sent now three messages to this room. All three were acknowledged at some point within minutes of being sent. But... There's no credit card on file. We have no ID or anything. And they haven't paid anything. So she calls housekeeping. Housekeeping is like, well, we haven't been in that room in two days because she, the woman in the room put out a do not disturb sign. So we've left it. Well, receptionist does not like this at all. So she freaks out. She calls security and is like, somebody has to go up to the room. The security guard goes up to the room, knocks. Right. And like... Less than a minute later, here's a gunshot. But in his mind, he thinks there's two people in that room because there are two listed on the card. So he has a moment of panic, right. doesn't know what to do. And so right. he kind of like goes around a corner and hides for a while and then decides, you know what, I'm going to get help. One thing I was screaming at the TV that they, while he was doing this, because they mentioned this part in the show, is I'm like, do you not have a radio? You're a security guard. And the answer is... He had a radio. Yeah. He didn't use it because he didn't want to worry the staff. He didn't want to tell the entire staff. And it's like, if for some reason, like if you hear a gun go off in a building, maybe let your coworkers know. Like, I get you don't want them to panic, but maybe let them know there might be someone with a weapon in the building. Yeah. And I also understand that maybe he didn't want them, like maybe he was worried in the moment, like, oh, I don't want to make my... Like, so the the guy, the gunman potentially hears me use my radio. Sure. And then comes out and shoots me. I understand that. But to me, it's like, can't you go to the other end of the hall or something? And, and yeah, that sounds, that seems very, very shady to me. Like, that's, that's the first thing. And, yeah. and I will be honest that I do feel like that whole, the whole account of, of this and how this was found, that was the thing that really kind of like bumped me the most when I was watching about like that doesn't add up like something just doesn't seem to add up there but anyway we will continue so he's around the corner doesn't know what he's doing he decides suddenly I'm gonna go down get the head of security because this is just some kid right so he's like yeah I'm gonna go so he gets the guy from security they come up together they open the door and they notice what they're what they call a sour smell the room was dark. They called out. Nobody responded. And they were like, okay, this is this is terrifying. So they closed the door, called the police, waited for the police to show up. Police get there about half an hour later, come in, find out. She's laying there on the bed, a gunshot wound in her forehead. She has the gun in her hand. 
Um, the door was double locked inside. Only a security person could get into the room because you needed a special key or something to get in if it was double locked inside. And both key cards that were given for the room were sitting on the desk. So they couldn't figure that out, but the police immediately were like, oh, this has to be suicide. And then, like, like the police were there about, like, 8.30. And by 4 a.m., the police had, like, the body had been taken out, the mattress and the bed had been taken out, and the police had been like, well, room is yours, folks, and left. What? So it feels like that's not really enough time. Like, at least... <laughs> On TV. <laughs> yeah. They at, le- they at least, like, they put the little police tape and they leave. Sure. The, like, they may leave it for, like, a week in case they need to come back multiple times and, like, recheck something or check something somebody else. The point is, the police are not the only ones who didn't fully do their job in this scenario. Right. right. Uh, the medical examiner, whose name I do not know, which is a shame because... I would like to out them, but they didn't really do their job as well. Really? Yeah. Now, I love that I'm skipping way far ahead in my notes of where I was going to go with all of this. And there's going to be... That's what I like. It's organic. We're on a train. We're on a a freight train, and we don't even know what stops and what cities we're going to pass. This metaphor really fell apart fast. (laughs) Well, when Brandy's driving, anything can happen. (laughs) Cheers to that. Right? Cheers yeah, yeah. to that. Yep. Uh-huh. So the autopsy. So she's la- listed as like, she's about 5'2", which is tiny. Blue eyes, black hair, but could be dyed. Which you okay. think, I mean, I guess I don't know if they could find have a way of finding out. I would think that they could. You would think if so. They could but test a hair follicle and see if there's chemical on that. I right? would have to assume. Oh, I yeah. don't think they tested much. Oh, boy. So they put her at about like 30, give or take, five years either way so right sure so 25 to 35 sure uh they tested her prints they put them they sent them to interpol there was no match in the database right they check the contents of her stomach they see that she has undigested food in her stomach okay so they're like well obviously she ate the food the same day she died but she ordered the food 24 hours before she died so it is the food just sitting there getting gross? Like, is that part of what the smell was when they opened the door? Because it was potato salad and like a sausage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's not exactly stuff you can go back to the next day. Certainly not. Anything mayonnaise-based, I feel like, is not a good move. Yeah, especially because it's just sitting there. And I can, I feel fairly confident in saying a hotel room in 1995 probably isn't like full of microwaves or anything to like reheat half of that and I don't even know how you'd go about reheating just part of it because you don't want to heat the potato salads it's just it's a weird choice so then it, it starts to wonder is it possible she was actually dead like the food arrived she ate it the Friday night she was shot and she laid there dead and maybe someone was still in the room when the security guard came when they knocked they did, a, they did like a second shot because two shots were fired. One, um, obviously, in her head and one that just went through the bed in like an in into the mattress. 
Whoa, hold on. So you're telling me there was two there was two sh- there was two bullets that went through her, into her uh, and through her. Uh only one went through her. One was excuse me. considered like a warning shot. The it looked there is a a bullet hole and a burn mark on a pillow that it looks like it was used as a silencer and then flipped and then her head is on the pillow. So But there was two bullets that were yes. fired. So this gentleman But they only security, ever heard one. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, well, I guess, and I maybe you don't know this though. I know you have been reading up on forensics. <laughs> if she did eat on Friday, yeah. and then was killed Friday, would your body continue to digest that food, or if you've died, it just stops? Like the food would then be undigested. I think, like this. I mean, again, I haven't got to that chapter, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like. It seems to me like the second that you're dead, your your entire body stops working. I think that that's probably true. Yeah. What's interesting is is that they didn't say that in the Netflix in the episode. They didn't say that there was two bullets, did they? I don't remember that. I don't think so. See, now I'm I don't think they I'm did. getting the episode confused <laughs> because the journalist who was in the episode, uh, Lars Wergner, I believe. Yes. Um, he is such a huge passionate person about this case he did a documentary ah. that i watched he has an entire website i'll link it somewhere that's it's got every single photo they've ever like that the police took and all of this like it's wow. an insane amount of information it does feel like now i love that i'm already throwing a huge wrench into all of this and that's i go rogue that's the i'm the flavor mm-hmm. flave to your chuck d i'm just going wild i, I want to hear uh, it it, I love that you planted the seed in my mind and I'm like, but wouldn't it be classic if this guy did kill her? Like, it just seems so interesting to me to like, why get so obsessed and have so much information? Like, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure that that's not the case, but it does seem like it's like, why the obsession? And I know he kind of said in the episode that he felt like it was kind of like a metaphor or something that everyone deserves, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. If they get killed, they deserve justice, et cetera, which is not untrue, but it's just interesting to me. Um, but anyway, I'm derailing us. I'm derailing As us. As a researcher, <laughs> I feel that if 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 one of these cases gets me that bad, I think deep down he's looking for a scumbag. <laughs> I think that he is just like he heard about this case, was like, this is crazy, and just kept following it and was like, nobody's really covering this and kept going and going. And now he's so deep. That he is just like right sitting by the phone with a paper in his hand waiting for the day that that friend is going to call that he can just like scumbag, you know, like he's waiting for it. <laughs> Uns got our scumbag. I don't oh, know where that's from. I don't. But if <laughs> <laughs> Lars, his name is Lars. Yeah. I felt like an Eastern Again, European of some kind. Like a lovely gentleman. I would love yeah, to talk yes. about it. Yes, I'm not calling him a murderer. No, we just did both (laughs) twice. That's fine. Uh, We're just saying, if this was a movie. Of course. You know, I mean, the police are saying, if there's a a second bullet and the pillow was flipped, they think she did like a tester to see, like, I don't know, like the sound, like if that actually muffled the sound or not. Because no one ever heard a second shot. So I don't know... Or when it would have happened is and listen, I'm so sorry again to throw. I'm just throwing wrenches today. This is it's like Donkey Kong over here. Um, I, I, nice. But we're also trusting the 
the story that this this hotel employee, this security guy, is telling. Yeah, he's saying he only heard one gunshot. Isn't it convenient that he knocked on the door and then then the gunshot happened? Like, I, I mean, I don't know if you know anything about that guy or not, but I just feel like. That seems super shady to me. It's the, mm-hmm. you know, is it feasible that he could have something to do with this? I guess is my question. His name, <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. I I should never even tiptoe around it. Yeah. I should always assume that you know everything yeah. that's on my mind. Uh, the security guard's name is forgive me, forgive me, all Europeans, and of course, and anybody that knows how to pronounce names when an, when when two letters are like stuck together. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that. So it's like Espen Nace? Nas? 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 N-A-A-S? I, like an A-E, but the A and the E sh- are back to back and share a back. They share a spine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Siamese twin situation. Got it. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not I'm me. Not it's 100%. Brandy talking. <laughs> I like when Brandy engineers the train. <laughs> she's yeah, she's no, a ride, yeah. She's we're having a time. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I think you're close. I think that's yeah. close. And again, we're not being disrespectful. We just no. genuinely don't know. So there you go. No. Okay, so yes, yeah, so no. you found his name. Tell, what do you, what do you know yeah. about him? Well, not a lot. I don't know especially what he's doing now. I've tried finding him. There are other people with the name, but they are all fairly young. Uh this guy was 25 when this happened. Around the same age as our Vic. <laughs> For real, if we can just like get to a point in our lives where just in regular conversation yeah. we sound like a police show. Yeah. Like I want my husband to make that face, you know, when I say something and he's like, "What?" Like I, I <laughs> where where it's both like un, just confusion mixed with just pure like worry. <laughs> you know? Of course. Like, of I, course. I want, yes. I, I want that. So he's 25 at the time. This was a part-time job he did because he was a student. So this was like a job he could do to just get, bring in some cash while he was studying because he right. d- he did the night shift. But because he was a security guard, yeah. he would potentially have the keys that you would need to get into the room that yeah. wouldn't involve a key card. Correct. Okay. Right. So we're just going to put that out there. Yes. I'm assu- but I'm... A- <laughs> Yes, we are. I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, lobbing softballs. Okay. And I'm assuming that that's, there isn't any other information you've been able to find about him at this point because he's kind of disappeared. Okay. Well, I'm also going to say, I love that you're so quick to be like, it could be him because that, that's a great idea. There's a couple other characters coming up in our story that you're going to be like, forget the security guard. Or maybe they work together. Oh, maybe they work together. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, okay, okay, very quickly, let's go back. The medical examiner. Yeah. uh, They fudged up some stuff. They, I do know there was also like, there wasn't a, there wasn't a drug screen run. Is that right? This is, this is just, again, proving that they didn't do their jobs properly. They, for some reason, decided to only test the alcohol level in her body. They didn't check for any sort they didn't do they didn't do any sort of tox panel. They did, <laughs> no They didn't do a tox panel on the Vic? Yeah, yeah, okay. Great. None. No tox screen whatsoever. They did nothing. They didn't check for any drugs or poisons of any kind because they said she had no sign of a struggle on her. They claim that she shot herself because she was holding the gun. I have a, a lot of questions about that and I didn't get time to research it. But like yeah. isn't the normal way of 
like to shoot yourself like a gun in the temple. It's I mean, weird some people to do... me that like to be able to do it the way she supposedly did, she would have had to like hold the gun against her own forehead and pull the trigger yeah. with her thumb. Like it was just well, a weird position to me. Yeah, I do feel like I mean, again, this is very dark, but I do feel like you're right. I think the temple is is a spot, and I think in the mouth is also a spot. But I, you're right. I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard of somebody putting a gun to their temple. Well, because because yeah, she would have had to hold the barrel and then shoot it, it with way. her thumb. Yeah, in that order to feels like it went straight, and it's not like like she wasn't one way or the other, which is weird because she was holding it backwards. The other thing that I thought in that yeah. moment when they were talking about that in the episode is that it, the gun was still in her hand when they found it. Yeah. And my question is, with the kind of kickback that's going to come off of any gun, having shot a gun mm-hmm. uh, for, for a TV show that I was acting in, I can't imagine that that gun would stay in that hand. Like, oh. you have to have such a grip on a handgun Again, I can only. Sp- I love that I'm bringing something to the table now as a, as my own my my own experience. But you gotta have such a, a, a grip on that gun. Yeah. And the kickback is such that if that was the case, and then you've shot the life out of you, for lack of a better term, I feel like that gun's gonna go flying. Am I am I off the mark? Oh, I don't understand. Like they even ha- interviewed police and like gun experts, and they were like, "Well, with the recoil." You there you're not just gonna come back and immediately fall and rest gently on your chest. Um, right. I also forgive me, I don't recall if the show mentioned this or not, because the the I watched I rewatched the episode the very next morning that we decided we were gonna do it, and immediately after that I watched the documentary and they were very right. similar. So my of brain course. is mixed up. Um the autopsy also showed there was there wasn't blood or gunshot residue on her hands at all. Okay, that wasn't in the Netflix episode. So how? Like, not to be graphic, but <laughs> we're true. Well, we're true crime. It's we we're are. in it now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the blood spatter was up the wall to the ceiling, like, and some on the ceiling, but none of it on her hands. Not even like a tiny drop. Because you would how think, would it get on the ceiling? Well, because it, yeah, I don't really know the logistics. How is, but the angle, but the angle makes no sense, right? Because if you're, if the gun is in the center of your, of your forehead, yeah. even if it's on an angle, I mean, it would have to be on a very specific angle and she'd have to be sitting up and do it and then fall backwards, right? For some reason, my, yeah. I pictured this, that she was laying down and did it. But, but if well, there's she, blood spatter on the ceiling. She had to be based on where the bullets were found because the bullet went through. And like well, that makes well. Then if the bullet the went through her head, and like lodged in the floor. Okay. Well, then explain to me mm-hmm. how blood spatter gets on the ceiling. I have so and many and not questions. on her own hands that are that are against her head at the time. Yeah. Oh wow. I can see how this one can can drive the even the sanest person mad. Hundred percent. Wow, that is crazy. I'm fully fully convinced, and I love that we're not even at this point yet. But I'm fully convinced she was drugged. I don't know if there was something put in her food. Or there, like maybe she had a little bit of it. Somebody put something in it. She passed out, like stepped up from the desk, took a few steps back, fell back on the bed, and then someone came in and like took her out. Like we also don't right. know if she died some other way before the bullet. 
Right. Because, I mean, I know that there's the whole rigor situation and that her body yes. would be a lot different. So I'd like to think that they were accurate on her time. But again, who gets food delivered and then lets it sit there for 24 hours? No food is coming in my home and waiting 24 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, there's no way I'd yeah. wait a long time. But it like, also feels like. If somebody dies in any sort of mysterious circumstance, I think yeah. that the general protocol, I'm not a medical examiner, but I would assume would be to run everything, talk screens, everything. Because, again, I understand that they just immediately assumed it was a suicide, which, again, as we know, is a fallacy from other people, mm -hmm. not mentioning any names, Ray Rivera, et cetera. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know, like, like again, it just seems odd to me that they wouldn't just do everything. You know, yeah. in, in those kinds of cases. So it also should be should be noted that there was no she had no personal effects in the room. Right. Like right. There was no toiletries or anything like that. Right. And and they were saying that there she had a lot of tops, but not a lot of bottoms. And that all oh of her clothes yeah. had the tags cut out of them, which yeah. is something that is also very interesting. Well, um, but didn't you say that there was also the clothes? Oh, you do. I do. All right. I've been thinking about it not to cut you off. No, please. But. This has been driving me crazy, this whole situation of the clothes. I mean, I'm going to find specifically my notes because her clothes were such a weird... I love that every, there's going to be complaints about my lack of organization in this no, episode. No, no. Toot, toot. We blame yeah. it on Engineer Brandy, <laughs> that's gonna... all. She's the one running this train. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Brandy, her clothing. They found four jackets a blouse, a sweater, four bras, and a pair of silk shorts. Now, when she checked into the hotel, multiple people saw her and were like, yeah, she was wearing like this leather jacket and this black skirt. But this black skirt is nowhere to be found. The um, One of the receptionists and the woman who delivered the food at, for room service both saw her with one of those like little rolling suitcases. So they both just assumed she was like a flight attendant because in 1995, the little rolling suitcases weren't a big thing at the time. So oh, most right. most uh, flight attendants were the people who had them. She came in at a very late time of night. So they just assumed she was a flight attendant and just not a big deal. But that suitcase was never found. And it seems now, like the she... police never even looked for it. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, when she checked in, she checked in with a man, didn't she? Well, that's another thing. So we're going to get that other sheet out because I need to get this guy's name right. So a guy, I said I need to get it right. It doesn't matter if I have the paper or not. I'm not going to get this right, but we're going <laughs> to run with it anyway. So a guy named Sasha Renee Onensen, uh, he claims to be the one who checked her in he says he worked for the hotel for about a year he happened to be there and uh he checked her in it happened to be at a super super busy time the flight that time of night all of the like the last flights to oslo had just landed so their place was packed and his comment was you got to get everybody through as fast as possible because you can't right. you can't leave anybody waiting right. and i get it so he had marked the card that she filled out with, like, he did a little X on everything she needed to fill out. Well, she didn't fill everything out, but he still let it go. So this guy claims she was alone. 
he saw her, she got her key, she left, and then she came back minutes later and he saw her standing by the by the elevator doors and then didn't see her again. Now, this particular Joker, I'm just going to say, I'm curious, is he telling the truth or not? Is Is he any part of this? Like, is he actually the person who saw her or not? Um, maybe he knows that there was a person with her, but is purposely not saying. I think right. he's just trying to get his face on camera because when I look him up, he's trying desperately to be an actor. Oh, now, no. the only thing he's ever done, which is more than me, so he's more of an actor than I am, but <laughs> uh, he was on two episodes of apparently Scandinavia's longest running soap opera. It has a 2.6 on IMDb, so I don't oh, how that went. Like, it went from, I, I don't have it written down, but I think it was like it went from the late 90s to like 2010 or something. I don't know how that, with that low of a rating, it continued to go. But the right. point is, bless his heart, he's trying. So he was also on this documentary and was like, yeah, this is what I'm thinking. And it's just something about him didn't sit right and was like were you really in like did you really check her in or are you just being like oh yeah I totally worked there I can prove it it was me I was there like because we don't know who checked her in we don't have a right thing because his the woman who's in charge of the receptionist she was there she doesn't mention if it's him or not that uh checked her in the in this documentary um the journalist Lars had each of these people come in. He gave them like a little handheld camcorder and he gave them actors and set a scene and told them you direct it the way it happened for you, the way you remember. So we got to see like little footage of it from her, his perspective where a guy checked this woman in. And then this second receptionist, Evie Gertzen, um she when she was filming and showing her perspective she showed a woman checking her in so i'm convinced it wasn't this guy i think this guy is just like oh yeah there wasn't anybody that i saw just because i think he wants to be part of the story he wants to get in front of the cameras right whatever but this second well, woman says she saw a man with with uh we'll call her jennifer again yeah, the deceased because that's what she was going by right. okay so she so this woman says she saw her check jennifer check in with a man yes okay and and i guess on the registration card yeah. was didn't it say that there was two it was her and this this gentleman yeah she called she jennifer originally called the hotel on Mar on may 22nd to make the reservation and then she called May we don't know what day she called for but she then called May 31st and said I want to change my reservation I want to come tonight I'll be there very late I'm also bringing it's spelled like Lois but it's I think it's actually Lewis I'm bringing Lewis right. with me and they're like great we'll add a second duvet to your room we've got this room away we go this one woman claims to have seen a guy about 35 to 40, six foot something tall, but nobody ever sees him again. So we don't know if he was ever part of the hotel or not. And I mean, I've also looked into her name because it's driving me crazy. Jennifer is not, no, Jennifer does not take me as like European. 
Right. Jennifer, to me, feels just full like North America. But I looked into it. So Jennifer was not in the top 100 in either Norway or Germany for for girls' names in 1994. So if, if she was choosing a fake name, this felt like it, it. You'd think she'd go to what's a popular name so that there's so many of you, so you're not you're not as memorable, right? Right. However, in in 1995, it was number 13 in Germany, so I'll give it that. Also, what a nut job. Between 1945 and 2019, in Norway, 772 girls were named Jennifer. So it's there. It just doesn't <laughs> seem as uh, common. That feels as very you would think. low. Also, the last name, regardless as to how you spell it, because the hotel has it written one way, her signature was another way. But when she's checking in, obviously, they heard the name. They wrote it out how they felt it was spelled. Right. So I looked up both versions. There is no German surname with the word gate in it that's in the top 100 most common German surnames. Because once they did this, once they exhumed the body and they did proper look, trying to look into figuring out who this woman is, they figured out that she was probably East German based on the radiocarbon levels and all of this kind of stuff. Right. So I've been trying to focus on like Germany. My thing is also, I'm kind of off the rails now and there's no stopping her now. (laughs) Toot toot, Brandy's coming. (laughs) Brandy's on her way and she's... She sure is. She's got no brakes. She's a bat out of hell and I love her for it. The autopsy that they had done, they didn't do it properly. We already covered that. Yes. She, they didn't do a full exam. They didn't check. I love that I'm an adult and I'm just like, I don't want to, you know, I, I'm just. Is it about genitals? Yes, because <laughs> I, I'm, I'm basically uh, Miranda from the show Miranda. I don't know if anybody watches that show where she can't say like, she's a grown woman, and anytime someone says sex to her, she's like, oh, you mean sex? Like, she can't. She just can't say it. I, I love her so much. Uh, shout out to Miranda Hart. I love her so much. They did not check her pubic region, which to me is shocking when you find a woman in a hotel whose only clothing to cover that area is what she's wearing. She was wearing tiny, like, little silk shorts that you might wear to bed or something. Right. But there was nothing that you would wear outside. There was no underwear. There was nothing like that. And so it's like there were no pants, no skirt, nothing. But there was no part of them that was like, we should look further into this. Like there's, they didn't check under her fingernails, which I watch TV. I know that's a thing. That should be the first thing they check. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was the first (laughs) chapter of the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I mean... Okay, so basically what you're saying, at this point, this woman checks in, possibly with a man, possibly not. There's conflicting stories from the apparent employees. She had a roller suitcase, a tiny roller suitcase at the time, which in 1995, nobody but stewardesses basically had. Excuse me, flight attendants. But I think at the time they were probably called stewardesses. Oh, they were probably Um, called much worse in 1995. (laughs) 
Totally. And when her body is found, she has no bottoms. She has a pair of silk shorts, no underwear, no Mm -hmm. pants. There was this, she showed up wearing a black skirt. That's nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And I think at this point, the only thing that we can talk about is the break that we need to take because we're going to take a quick break. (laughs) We're going to regroup, fill your glass. Brandy's going to get another drink going. (laughs) And then we're going to, we're going to get further into exactly who the heck this is. What is this story? Because it just keeps getting juicier. So we'll be right back. What's up, everybody? This is Lauren Ash, and I hope you are enjoying this episode of True Crime and Cocktails Unsolved Mysteries Edition. A couple of quick reminders. If you're looking for any of the visuals Christy mentions in this or any of our episodes of the podcast, make sure to follow us at True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram. There she posts a case file with all the relevant visuals for each episode of the show. If that's not enough for you, you want a little bit more? Go to our website, truecrimeandcocktails.com. There, Christy posts extensive virtual case files. This is literally everything she finds in her research. It's a treasure trove of deep dives, and it's all there for your enjoyment. Also on the website, you can find our full unedited Zoom episodes of the show if you'd like to watch rather than listen. And make sure to give us a follow on Facebook at True Crime and Cocktails, Twitter at Not Detectives, and the most important piece of information, if you like the show, please, wherever you listen to it, give us a nice rating. Go on to Apple, leave us a nice review. I know it sounds like a silly cliche, but the truth is it really goes a long way in this crazy podcast world, and your support means the world to us. But enough about all that. Get yourself another drink, sit back, and enjoy the rest of the show. Right, we're back with A Death in Oslo, the current case we're talking about on this episode of True Crime and Cocktails. There's a couple things that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you, of course, Christy, at the beginning of an episode, she sends me, you know, some just a, a small, small cross-section of her notes so that I yeah. can go through these ahead of time and get an idea. So there, I, the one thing I brought up before that I didn't fully get into yet was there was almost no personal items of any kind in the room, but there was a almost empty bottle of men's cologne. Yeah. Found in the room? Yeah. What's that about? I wish I had an answer. I mean, I, it should also be noted, like, when they found her, she was wearing mascara. So she had some level of makeup on her. They couldn't determine how long it had been there. But she was wearing mascara. It was very obvious from the bathroom that she had taken a shower or a bath of some sort that evening or in the few days and there wasn't a single toiletry anywhere. Toothbrush, toothpaste, makeup of any kind, soap, anything. Nothing there. Now, the other thing, so it's safe to say, I think we can say pretty unequivocally, that yeah. she came with more items than were found with her body. I think that that's yes. a fairly safe assumption to make. So there was a time that she was not in that room, though, correct? Isn't there a full day of time that yes. there was, that the maids, did go in and there was no one there. Yeah. Where does that fall in the timeline? Uh, The maids went in on the Thursday at one o'clock and she wasn't there. There were two maids. One of them was like a junior maid. One of them was uh, one Vigdis Vallo. I apologize. No, I think that sounds right. Again, this is the European ones. (laughs) I don't know. I can't read them. Brandy sure can't. (laughs) So uh, this Vigdis, she was the older of the two. She said the younger woman, who was the new one, she went and cleaned the bathroom, 
Well, Vig just went in, just tidied the rest of the room. She said the room wasn't in a big mess, so she was done very quickly. And while she was waiting for this young girl to clean the bathroom, she noticed a really nice pair of shoes in the baggage shelf in the closet. And she thought to herself, like she saw them, there was something about them that made her stop and go, oh, I like those. And she thought to herself, I want new shoes sometime. I want to get a pair like that. I really love those. So on the documentary, they showed her the picture of the shoes that were the only shoes found in the room, which the victim was wearing. And she looked at them and she's like, oh, this isn't them. I wouldn't have given these a second look because they were just like a plain, one may say dull black heel. Whereas she said there was something about them. The shoes she remembers were very bright and colorful. And there was something about them. So it's, it seems like... so much of her stuff is just missing. I also realize I didn't fully get into it, but the clothes were all, all except for one jacket, were all missing their labels, right? We did touch on that. Right. The one that had a label in it, somebody said, I believe it was this guy with the documentary, that the they, they looked closely at it and there was no way you could remove the label without destroying the liner of the jacket. So it's right. possible that's why that stayed. But I started thinking like there's something about cutting the labels out of clothes. I understand sometimes like a label in a shirt is really bugging you, but to cut it out of absolutely every single item of clothing you have feels crazy to me. So I looked into it and like I just started researching like cutting out labels and that kind of thing. And it dawned on me when you buy things from like a secondhand store Or when a big company has extra stock that they like donate somewhere, they tend to use like Sharpie or some sort of marker and mark across the label so that you can't take that item and then return it. Oh. So you, you know, so you can't take this item and try and return it to like a place and get extra money that you didn't pay for it. So I'm wondering, did she like get into town go to some sort of secondhand store, get all of the, get like whatever clothes she could get that fits and then cut out all the labels so they couldn't trace it back to a secondhand store where she would have been the like days before. Interesting. That's a really cool theory. I know that yeah. they had mentioned in the episode that it's not uncommon for spies to cut the labels out of mm. all of their clothes. I have a for spy theory traceable too, reasons. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to get into it. But I do think that that's an interesting point. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting point to think about to think about it from another angle, which is, of course, yeah, if it was coming from a secondhand store she and they had altered the labels, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Some secondhand stores may take out the labels completely. Who who knows? True. But that's a really interesting. And I think it's what, what's what's really interesting is, is that she checks in late, late at night, like in the yeah. morning of the 31st. Right. Yeah. And then she was and then in the at next a, day. 1044 p.m. Uh, on, the, on the night of the 31st. Yes. And then she leaves the room at like 12 something. Right. And then she's, she, did she spend the night in the hotel on the 1st of June? I don't think so. Like, I don't oh, think she did. There was a day she didn't, like, I mean, she got in, she checked, she gets into the room shortly after, like around, just before 11, but then she leaves again at 12 and doesn't open the door again till like eight in the morning. Right. So something's weird there. But I have a theory about 
possibly her being in another room in the hotel. Okay, let's get into All it right. then. So, this hotel, I was running late, so I apologize. I don't have a map printed. I will post one, obviously. Of course. Um, so, this t- this 28th floor where she was staying, she was in room 2805. So, there were a lot of rooms that they think were empty because the police didn't do a good enough job, like canvassing, because they just came in and went, oh, yeah, this seems normal. Again, it's like the French police in that house of terror. Right. Walking in the house and going, oh, this is completely normal to what everybody else would go. This is something's not right. But they just didn't handle it well, I guess. Maybe it was late at night and they were just like, oh, the weekend's coming up. I've got plans. So they were just, it is, it is what it is. So there was somebody who was in the room right beside hers i believe it was uh 20 2807 or something but they heard nothing the couple that was in that room they heard nothing from the victim's room right there's a woman who's down the hall uh in 2818 she clearly remembers one of the nights doesn't remember specifically which one but she remembers one of those nights she heard a loud noise in the middle of the night it went up. She hears the noise. It wakes her. She hears it a couple of more times. And she's about to call reception to be like, what's going on? But then the noise stops and she just goes back to bed. But 2818 is quite far from 2805. So it probably wasn't from there. Right. However, right next door to 2818 is 2816. There is no record of who was staying in that room. Somebody was. There's no record of it. But when Jennifer was found, one of the items in her room on the desk where she had food and all of this was a newspaper, a USA Today, which I found shocking, but neither here nor there, in a plastic bag that was labeled for room 2816. And it had a fingerprint on it that did not match the victim. Whoa. So now theory's thinking like, what if she went to this hotel to meet somebody? She's got like bras for days. She's got like a little camisole thing. She's got like little cutesy shorts, stockings, all of this kind of thing. So it's like, did she come like maybe she had a married boyfriend or something and they met up at the hotel he got a different room from hers so that it's like, look, we're in two different rooms. She left his room one night or she left her room. And instead of being gone, wandering around for 24 hours, maybe she was in his room, leaves his room, picks up the paper from his front outside his door, tosses it on the desk in her room. And that's where it is when they find her body. That's part of a theory that I'm working on right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. I think that that's huge. Yeah. That I mean, why else? I think it's really like, I mean, how else would the newspaper get in her room? She could yeah. have stolen it. Certainly. I mean, it's not, if it's hanging on the doorknob of another room, you could easily walk by and pick it up and go. Right. But the fact that there's someone else's fingerprint on it makes it feel like it was probably read by somebody else or there was somebody else who had handled it. Other than the delivery person, potentially. 
I'm also realizing I don't believe they even said her fingerprints were on it. It's possible they were, but it was like the whole report is like there was an unidentified fingerprint. It was not the victim's. And I would like to believe they checked whoever delivered it. And you know what's interesting? Yeah, so would I. But I mean, nothing would shock me anymore. Mm. You know what's interesting is, is that this was apparently like a five-star, super swanky hotel at the time. 100%, yeah. And they're not getting proper information when people check in. I mean, they didn't get her proper credit card information at the time. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's it's interesting to me. Like you said, there was all the X's on the sheet she was supposed to fill out. She yeah. didn't. It's interesting. And then there was somebody staying in this 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 room, the number 16. What was it? 2016? 2816, it, yeah. 2816. That they don't know who that was. How? Yeah, I don't know. Well. <laughs> That's their only job. That's their only business yeah. and is the, to rent rooms and to know who's in what room. And the thing is, this hotel opened in 1990. So it's not, and this went down in 1995. So it's not like they'd been around for a hundred years and it's like, ah, we let it go where it's right. fine. It's like, but they were a very like top, top hotel. Like this is where they brought when they did the peace accord. Who was that? Palestine and somebody else. Israel. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> they brought them in. That's where, and they had their meetings at this hotel. So like this hotel was very like top notch. Right. And like the room she was staying in, I, I had to convert the amount to what that amount would be today and then convert that amount into American. It was like probably like a $1,400, $1,800 a night hotel. What? And this girl, because they started out saying she was between 25 and 35, but then they kind of narrowed it down, right? Because they did that uh, right, when they right, exhumed right. the body. Mm-hmm. They were able, through science, uh, to determine that she was, what, 23, I think they said? They, they place her around like 1970 to 1972. Okay. Yeah. So so early 20s. So the chances that, that a woman, I mean, and this is no shade, but a woman in her early 20s would be able to afford that kind of hotel room mm-hmm. are also, that's also questionable. It, it should also be noted that when she did pass, they, they did pull out her registration card and they tried to contact her family. And of course, it was all dead ends and that they, yeah. no one has been able to find her. And it seems as though no one has been looking for her, right? Which is also interesting. Well, that's the other thing. Somewhere. (laughs) According to people who lived in and around there, they said that, like, it's possible she could have been from Belgium. So at the time, Belgium had two police forces. They had the civil police and the, God, why did I even, why didn't I just leave it at two? I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, They have a second one. (laughs) Right. Sure. And they said, (laughs) so they had these two police units and they said that uh, communication between them wasn't great so the odds of somebody coming in and saying somebody's missing they could easily have just like filed it in a drawer and let it go and that's it I will say I took a real deep dive through missing women's websites (laughs) of course you did of course you did horrifying <laughs> of course overwhelming I I'm mean sure oh, it was it was a lot I started with Europe because I felt like that's where she probably was from so I focused on that because that's where they did the whole testing from the enamel in her teeth and found out that they felt like she was from East Germany right based on the 
radiocarbon levels. So I went through everybody. I narrowed them down. I even made like a five-year potential gap that it could have been. And I found some, I found one in particular who looked exactly like her, but the year's not right. And this woman's way taller than, because this Jennifer was very short. And there's like quite a difference between them. So it couldn't have been her. But I was, I, I was pretty sick right there for a second because I thought that was her. But then I start thinking, okay, so they said that a lot of above ground nuclear testing had happened. And they they were like, these are the places she could have lived. Well, I branched out further. I found, I found a map that showed me locations on where she could have been from to get these same levels. So I started checking those countries And then I realized, what about the states? Like America also did testing. And so I went through and wrote down all of the testing sites. And I like Nevada, uh, New Mexico, one of the ones uh, was so close that you could count Texas in getting in these levels. Mississippi, California, like there are all these. So I started looking through American missing women, which was even more and more depressing. (laughs) Of course, I have not found her yet yet i i just i had to stop looking so i could continue on this so i could so i could be nice and professional and prepared for today as uh as i clearly am well listen that's you bring up a great point though why are we assuming that she was born in europe you're yeah. right i i understand that that i that they were making it sound like it was such a big breakthrough in that episode that it was like well we figured out the carbon levels or i'm i'm you, you you said the real words, but we'll say carbon levels yeah, yeah. for the lay person for, like me. <laughs> but it was such a breakthrough in that episode. But you're right. Why are they assuming that that has to mean that it was European when there was obviously those kinds of testings also going on in, in America? Right. Also, to your point that you brought up earlier, the name Jennifer Fairgate is not a does not mm-hmm. sound like a mm-hmm. typical European name that feels like a very North American name and also the USA Today whoever was in 2816 had asked for that specific newspaper because when you check in to a swanky hotel they're not just going to deliver any old newspaper mm-hmm. you they say what's your preference so that person would have had to request that yeah I'm getting excited because I feel like you're really onto something here that it, I don't know why. And again, she had just flown in, right? She could have flown. Why are we assuming that it was from Europe? There's absolutely no reason to assume that other than they just did because that's the simplest explanation. And of course, sometimes the simplest explanation is the truth, but it does feel very interesting to me, this connection potentially to America. Right. Well, a quick pin in that. Um, her, her name, this is, this is what Brandy was leading us to. And then she veered (laughs) veered us off the road earlier. The last name Fairgate spelt the way that the hotel spells it. F-A-I-R. Fairgate is a courier company in Brussels, Belgium, which is very close to Germany where they claim she may have been from. So maybe it's just like a name she heard, but sure. Keep Belgium in mind while I switch my notes. So I couldn't possibly not keep Belgium in mind. Here we go. <laughs> so Jennifer had very, very extensive dental work done. I'm talking porcelain and gold. Oh. According to my research, that kind of work at that time of, at, at that time, I don't, I was going to say of year, but I'm like, no, it doesn't. 
<laughs> not you of the year. You don't do specific thing. You don't do specific dental work just in the spring, like whatever. So <laughs> happy Easter. The, here's a root canal. Right? Yeah, oh, exactly. Jesus. Uh, so in 1995, that kind of dental work was either done in Switzerland, in our friend Belgium, or in the USA. So again, so there was n- nowhere else in the world was doing that specific kind of work. According to this, yes. Wow. So I mean, it, is it possible that she was like born in East Germany and ended up in the States and then came back for something? Possibly. But like, I'm going to say this. I'm, there's a lot of things, but I, forgive me. Here we go. <laughs> so the reason that I was up insanely late, I found similar cases that I felt were like, I was ready to flip a table. I was so excited because when you find something that's similar, then you're like, oh, oh, here we go. We've got it. I'm so close to the scumbag. I'm ready. I'm not. I'm probably so much further than I was this morning, but still. So I'm going to go through these quickly because it's uh, two, two of them aren't as interesting to me well, that felt rude and disrespectful but for as far as this case goes sure. so there was a guy they've labeled him combo man it could be cambo i don't know he was found in 1987 along a railway line near oslo it was a very difficult to get to railway line so they don't know how they found him but the body was on the tracks the tra- a train found him couldn't stop in time ended up running him over but it seems he was already dead at the time he had no id the labels were all cut out of his clothes and DNA connects him to Belgium. Whoa. Belgium again. So there's that. But again, the the labels cut out of the clothes and no ID are about as close. So I was like, that's crazy. Yeah. Then we move on to Jane Doe found in September of 91. She's brunette. She's Caucasian. She's 5'4". Very similar, right? Yeah. They found her three miles east of Norway in a farmer's field. She was, they, they have not determined still what her cause of death was, but she was loaded with cocaine. Oh, wow. However, it's not like she just wandered into a field and had an overdose. They found her underneath a shower curtain. The shower curtain still had the hooks in it for crying out loud. It was late placed over her. But get this, my friends. She was wearing a white men's style dress shirt, which is very similar to one of the pieces of clothing that Jennifer was found with. She had black spandex pants, no shoes, no personal effects anywhere. She also had extensive and unusual dental work. Whoa! Interesting. Now, brace yourself because I was leading up to the big one. Oh my God, I thought that these were already the big one. Okay, okay, no, sure. That was dipping a toe. This one, we're diving right the fuck in. Hold oh, on tight, wow. Brandy's gotcha. So <laughs> there is a woman that to this day is unidentified. She was found in 1970. So the idea that these women 25 years apart could ever be connected is a stretch, yes. Sure. Hear me out. I can't wait. So... She was found in this remote part of Norway. Again, found in Norway. Because I've read, and I don't know where I found that in my notes because I couldn't find it again to bring it back in today, that 
Norway has only to this day had like 15 unidentified bodies or something. Like they always find their man. They always they figure, always find their scumbag. They always figure out who the Ultimate person is. scumbag. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll, I'll, I'll handle any letters we get over that. Thank you so much. I'm that. not meaning to be disrespectful. No. I'm just excited. Yeah. Well, so this woman, she was found in a place called Ice Valley, but they, she's become known as the Isdal woman. Okay. She was about 5'4 and brunette. And I'm kicking myself for, I didn't have time to print things. She is, she bears a very striking resemblance to our Jennifer. They have different color eyes, but they have a very similar nose and like structure. So this woman, they found her. I mean, hers was a bit more horrifying. She was found in this remote area. She'd been set on fire. Oh, dear. Now, there was not a campfire anywhere near her. So it was a... But yet somehow, police were like, oh, what a sad suicide. I just... Ah. She was found with 50 to 70 sleeping pills in her system, and there were more on the ground beside her. So I feel like people think that she's possibly a secret agent knew somebody was getting was going to try and get information out of her and was just shoveling the p- sleeping pills in trying to make it so she's not going to talk and then they like set her on fire which is horrifying but so we haven't even got to the best part of this best part feels dark and <laughs> that's not what i meant the most relevant part thank that you way. that's that's what i meant so they they have also done testing on her they feel like she originated from belgium Okay, let's keep that in mind. Belgium again. So a couple of days after she's found, they find two suitcases at the train station. The fingerprints on these train on these suitcases match this woman. So they're like, great, we found her suitcases. There's no ID anywhere. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that. There was ID, but like eight of them. Because this woman had multiple ID. She was claiming to be multiple different people. Right. So all of her clothing, the labels and the tags were all cut out. The police also found wigs. They found, I think she had like eczema cream or something. And like glasses and like all of these things. But the wigs was weird to me. It felt like disguise kind of situation. Uh, so police, once they figured out, they, fe- they felt like they knew who she was. They felt like they knew where she had been. So they went and found a hotel that she had just been staying at. They talked to somebody. The staff described her as elegant, which I find wildly fascinating because multiple people in Jennifer's case have referred to her as elegant. So I found that was very, very interesting to me. So they find this woman. Uh, they go to the hotel and they find out she had given a different name at she'd they ended up finding the trail of all these hotels throughout Norway that she'd been to she'd give a different name at each one sometimes slightly alter her handwriting to make it a bit different but experts prove that's all her right she had extensive dental work done gold crowns that are not normally seen in Norway in that time cuz in that this time we're talking now 1970 Right. There we go. Luggage. I knew we'd get back there. Way to girl. Brandy doing a quick turnaround. 
There were wigs. There were encrypted notes. And there was money from... Because, I mean, keep in mind at this point, like this was long, long before like a basic basic, uh, currency. So every single country had its own currency. She had money from Germany, Norway, Belgium, Switzerland, and the UK. Jennifer... At, the, at that time, also, still, every single country had a different amount, a different kind of currency. She had nothing. She paid cash for that meal, but she had no coin, no banknotes, nothing on her. Interesting. But, I mean, both of these women had extensive dental work done. The tags were cut out of their clothes. They were around the same height. They had false identities that they checked into hotels with. They were seen as elegant. Like that to me, even 25 years apart, is so, so close. And now this woman, they're saying that she is shown to have originated from Belgium. Well, I want to tell you a little thing about Belgium. Belgium... (laughs) I can't wait. Is a hot spot for spy activity. And I'm going to tell you why. Espionage is not classified as a crime. And this is like dating back to the 1930s. You're only committing a crime if you communicate classified information of key national interest to a hostile or a foreign power. So if you're not giving other people, other countries info, you go spy away. You do whatever the hell you want. So spies really like to get in on Belgium because you're going to get away with pretty much everything when you're there. Because they look, they overlook a lot of it. So we've got this woman who, with her tags cut out and everything, that's like, oh, well, it's seeming like she was probably from Belgium. And it's like, well, that feels like a spy thing and then you've got jennifer she could possibly be from belgium and she's had this dental work and this all like keeping hush hush on who she is she could be a spy and i think one of the other people the man who was by the train tracks with no id labels cut out dna connected him to belgium so i just what's going on belgium (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's wild. And you know what else is wild to me is like, is the dental work thing. That to me is like, because also let's get real for a second here. Jennifer is is in her early 20s. We've disturbed, that is a, that's science. She's in her early 20s. Yeah. How much dental work are people in their early 20s having? Traditionally, not a lot. Like you're, you know, you maybe get some fillings and stuff like that. Maybe a root canal, but even then I feel like you know, dental work as you age and your teeth age, that's something that then you'll start to like get into the nitty gritty sure. of having to have significant work done. For these women who are in their early 20s to be having significant dental work done does feel like extremely out of the ordinary to me. Don't you think? Mm-hmm. Especially because that shit ain't cheap. Yeah. And where is this money coming from? I mean, yeah, I guess I'm saying like at that age, what is she, like what was she doing that she could have that kind of income to spend it on that? And I mean, I I have some theories. I want to hear them. I mean, first, my first theory on this whole thing, because uh, again, 
I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it multiple times. I look top to bottom. I think of every possible thing. Even if I'm like, I don't believe that, I still have to look into it. Of course. So I looked into, I looked into suicide. Sure. So the door was double locked from the inside. So the, it, it screams like nobody probably was out, was in that room with her. Um, Cause how could they have gotten out, but left the door locked? The answer is, I don't know. The window was ajar, but they're on the 28th floor and the outside of the building is like glass and metal. So they would, there's, I don't know how they would possibly sure. get out of that. I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Please. Uh, between 1969 and 2012, only 2.7% of female suicides in Norway involved firearms. Wow. Most of them tended to be like a poison or right. hanging or jumping off of something or whatever. And approximately 5% of the female firearm deaths involved women between 25 and 34. So it's low. So, it's extremely yeah. low. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there- this is also important to remember yeah. for, for North American listeners, especially American listeners, that other places in the world don't have access to firearms and guns like people do in America, which which sounds like a, a funny thing to, to note. But it is important to note that not everybody in Norway is packing heat like it's it's rare yeah. to have a gun. Correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've also considered like. Was this guy with her and they were like, we're going to be together. Let's kill ourselves. Do like a double suicide. And then he chickened out or was lying just to get her to shoot herself. He's like, I'll shoot you make it look like it's a suicide or however it goes down and uh he grabbed all her any shit that could have had his dna by any chance on it and any dna of hers like it seems so something about the fact of like taking her hairbrush and her toothbrush feels so crazy that they would take those with it just it obviously seems like they don't want her dna around even right. though DNA was like just a baby at that point in 95. Sure. So I'm still not convinced about that. But then it's like, okay, based on the clothes that she had, she brought like, I wish I'd done like a pie chart. I would have forgot to print it anyway. But <laughs> I wish I'd done a pie chart like showing what percentage of her clothing was basically like lingerie and bras. Right. Because it's a hard percent. Like it's a lot. Yeah. So then my brain is like, okay, so maybe she was like a prostitute or an right. escort or something. Sure. More than possible. In 1994 and 95 in Norway, many of the sex workers had to move from massage parlors to working in like apartments and stuff to avoid police raids. So maybe, I mean, I feel like maybe she just went to that hotel she was staying there and she extended the stay in the hope of getting a little more money to be able to actually pay off this expensive hotel bill she was racking up i don't know because again i mean one of the things i don't think we've said there was like a briefcase in her room that had like 27 extra shells in it if you're gonna go to a place to kill yourself you're not gonna take like plus the gun still had like seven rounds left in it. So you're not going to take 30 some bullets with you in case you're that 
clumsy and you miss yourself that many times you know like <laughs> yeah it's isn't it's it also weird. interesting that the the toothbrush the hairbrush the pants were all taken mm-hmm. from the room but the bag of bullets remained like that feels <laughs> bizarre like yeah. if somebody was cleaning out that room of i don't know incriminating evidence yeah. you'd think that the bullets would have gone too uh well i'm curious to play off that, how much time did they have? Were they in a hurry? Did they just grab specific things? But I'm also back to, did she stay in a different room? Were her clothes right. and toiletries and stuff in this other room where she'd spent the night before with whoever and she just never got them and they left them there or threw them out because from my understanding, the police did not check the rooms. Remind me to go back to the rooms because we have one more person to talk about from the rooms. But I'm okay. already on this train and this is hard to stop. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, could be like some sort of a sex worker. But then sure. the question is, what if she's a sex worker, but she's forced into it? So what if she's trafficked? What about that possibility? The, the UN reports that 4 million people a year are traded against their will. That's a thing. Uh, between 95 and 2004, 2.4 million people were trafficked. They said that Norway is a destination and, to a lesser extent, transit and source country for women and girls subjected to sex trafficking. Really? Apparently so. Um, so the fact that she was there, I mean, to me, this is partially where that dental work comes in. It's like, were all these women, like, is this like a trafficked thing where they they take them when they're younger, right? they get them somewhere, they fix them however they want or sell them off to somebody. Another theory is maybe they were trafficked, but like their parent essentially sold them to these people. And that's why there's no missing person report for her because they're not looking for her because they were paid off. Who knows? So, I mean, there's that as an idea. What about, could she be a drug mule of some sort? That's what was in the suitcase. That's why the suitcase isn't there, because there was a a drop. Maybe that's why she was in the hotel as many times as she was, because she was waiting for, like, a deal to go down or whatever. Right. I also just remembered, speaking of these moments where they're like, she was in the hotel a lot. Like, she barely left her room. I, I mean, there were times where they think she was potentially gone for like a full day. But for right. the most part, it seems like she was in that room spending a lot of time. This Isdell woman who was a striking similar case to hers. Yes. When they asked the hotel, the hotel said she just pretty much stayed in her room. So then that leads me to what if she's a fucking spy? Yeah. You know, like I'm con- I'm convinced that other woman is. Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, what about this? And I mean, Belgium, like, well, the guy, Belgium is the hotspot for spies. So, and with these people having connections to Belgium, it's possible. Belgium is also a place she could have had her dental work done. So right. maybe that's part of it. Um, the The guy they interviewed who used to be part of like a secret agency on the show he said if an agent dies they're not going to get reported missing it's going to be handled very quietly her family's not going to look for her because they're going to tell them this is what's happened to her she died a hero 
whatever. Right. So that could be part of why there's no missing person report or why no one has stepped up to be like, I know her. Um, he also said the electronic locks can be easily manipulated, mm. which <laughs> is terrifying to even yeah. think about. I can't think too much about that. But I want, before I forget, I mean, also at any point you can uh, jump in because it doesn't have to be the Christie show. <laughs> Well, it's, I'm it's, enjoying this. It's Brandy's I mean, look, show it is, at this point. It is. At well, it's point. Brandy's show and I'm happy about it. Well, listen, we've got to wrap this up soon. Yeah. But I will say that, I, I mean, I'm just in awe of, of, of course, all, first of all, your research, which is always just <laughs> impeccable and unbelievable because uh, there's so many things here. But I do feel like there's some really like, it's wild to me, these comparisons between her and this Isdol woman and, and. Yeah. Is it possible she was a spy? Absolutely. Is mm-hmm. it possible she was trafficked? Absolutely. I mean, as you're saying, there's there's signs pointing to that. I, of course, you're going to love the first thing I come back to, mm-hmm. the security guard. <laughs> I'm like, hear me yep. out on yep. this. Does he knock on the door? Mm-hmm. Does he get into the room? Is there someone else in there with him? is he a witness to this in some way? And this other person is like, you saw nothing. Pretend that you just heard a gunshot. You know what I mean? Like, is there some other level? Like, did somebody get his key from him and be like, I need to be let in and out of this room? Because it should also be noted in case people haven't seen the episode. Anytime the key card was used to get in and out of her room, there's a, there's a log of that. So the only way to kind of bypass that is using these security keys. My point just is, is that it just feels like, you know, is it possible that this person was that this person was compromised in some way and was a part of something in some way that he's not being fully honest about? I should also add, mm-hmm. because you asked me to remind you, we do also have to talk about another suspicious character that was on that floor, I believe. It's part of my highlighted notes that I pulled out because Brandy's throwing me a bone and reminding me about it. I love it. I love it. So we've got suspicious potential person in room 2816. Person we don't know about. Sure. Across the hall, like directly across the hall from her room in 2804, there is a gentleman. We don't get his name. He's labeled as Mr. F, which feels okay. Mr. F. If you watch Arrested Development. (laughs) So much. (laughs) Mr. F is from Belgium. Mm Mm-hmm. He checked out Saturday morning um, before noon. So I think it was closer to like 10 or so. But it was definitely Saturday morning. And he stands by that. He claims that when he checked out, they asked him at the front desk if he heard or saw anything because the woman across the hall from him had been found dead. She won't be found dead till eight o'clock later that night. Whoa. So mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. this is this gentleman's testimony or or mm-hmm. So he's saying when he checked out of that hotel, he yeah. was asked, Did you hear anything? Because the woman across the hall from you was found dead. But as she we won't all be know, found dead yet. So the hotel was in on it. It has to be. <laughs> Like that, especially that, like- that one guy who claims he let her in, like he claims he checked her into the hotel. What if he was the person running the desk at this point and he said something to this guy without the thought 
of oh shit that's not yet like we haven't we haven't got to act three yet we got to be patient you know what i mean (laughs) yes yes um that's wild the big thing is he gave like all of his information on the card was legit because the journalist hunted him down and found him how recently but i mean it was a real struggle to get this from the guy Right. Because he like knocked on the door and the the guy's like, this is who I am. And he went, I'm not home and like closed the door. Was like, nope, not gonna. And then they kept like, he would go to this guy's door and like leave notes and business cards and like, hey, I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk about this. And then they phoned him one time and the guy finally answered and was like, just what do you want? And he's like, I'm curious about this. And he's like, yeah, they asked me if I heard or saw anything because she was dead. That's it. So, I mean, we're also assuming he's remembering things correctly. But, like, if you're leaving a hotel and somebody is like, somebody has died. Did you hear anything? I'd like to believe that would stay with you. So, and be, like, a very rare thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So, in my mind, if that's true, it's, like, ten or so hours before she's even found or before that gunshot supposedly what was heard so then that jumps way back to my theory that she ordered her food friday night had some of it was killed and they left her there and then either the security guard was in on it and they claim and claimed he heard something right. or somebody was setting it up was like in the room taking out all of her like taking anything that could have been theirs and heard the was putting the gun in her hand maybe and then maybe like the gun went off or maybe they heard them shot the gun and then quickly like laid her down and did whatever like maybe they heard the knock and were like oh shit we need to make this sound so they think this just happened or something I don't know but one thing that drives me crazy, and I'm going to post some pictures yeah, um, on Instagram uh, at True Crime and Cocktails. And it will also be in my uh, virtual case file on truecrimeandcocktails.com. Nice. Um, but one of the photos shows the desk in her room. There's a bag of chips that's open and they said untouched, which was very sad to me. Yeah. Neither here nor there. But then there were three <laughs> empty bottles of pop or soda. I can't remember which way America goes when they, they say go soda. It. Soda? Okay, that's yeah. what... It felt extra weird to me because it's not what I'm used to. So then that's why. We yes. call it pop. We I call don't, it pop. That's just what it is. Um, but there were these three bottles of pop. So they're thinking there's just the one person in this room. She could have three pop over the course of however many days. However, there was an orange one. There was a Coke and there was a Diet Coke. Now, fight me on this if you want. But if you're a Coke drinker, you're either Coke or you're Diet. You're not both. I could do, like, I I, I like what I like to call a folk. I like my Coke a little watered down, like McDonald's level Coke. I'm all oh, for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's where I live. Um, that's my preference because Coke is a very strong taste. Um, but if I have to choose... Like, I'm in a desert, and there's a mirage, and it miraculously is like, hey, we can turn a fountain into either Coke 
or Diet Coke. Make your choice. I'll be like, oh my God, I'll take the Coke. You're not going to like, you're not going to be like, I'm going to have one and then I'll have another. And vice versa, I will, I will, I will yes Mm -hmm. and this and say, I am a Diet Coke drinker. And if you put a a can of Coke in front of me, come hell or high water, I am not drinking that Coke. Like, I totally agree with you. I think people have a preference and it would be exceptionally odd to, to go between, but between a Coke and an orange soda, I don't think we could like, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. Who knows? She likes variety. Sure, but yeah. a Coke and a Diet Coke, I got to agree with you. There's no way. Yeah. You don't switch back and forth. I'm I sure agree. we're going to get a lot of like, I happen to like a Coke followed by a Diet Coke. And I don't know that we are, though. Well, I think that I'm, people may I'm be with us on this one. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to die on this mountain. I'm, this is where I'm at. <laughs> you, don't go, you don't go both. So to me, no. there was two people. I mean, yes. Is there the possibility, and I'm just thinking of this now and slightly possibly debunking myself, but is it possible she went to like a vending machine or, well, she only ordered room service the once. So maybe she ordered like a Coke and they brought it and were like, sorry, we only have diet. Some sure. a similar situation, maybe. But like, I still am fascinated by the fact that they were still on the table. Yeah. Like you think I mean- they would have moved because... I mean, somebody came in and cleaned the room on the Thursday and they were there later on. Like, I just don't know if she would have had all of those. But again, I stand by it. You, I, She either had the Coke or the Diet Coke. I don't think she would have voluntarily had both. Because you're either one or the other. It's so different. I oh, don't wildly. think I don't think you'd be both. No. Now, listen, we've got to wrap this up. So I mm-hmm. need to know, is there anything else that we've missed? Is there anything else you want to hit before we go? Any theories, any anything you found, anything of note? Uh, I mean, there's, we could do probably <laughs> eight episodes yeah. on yeah, this totally. alone. Like there is so much going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, one thing I find fascinating and I've never, I haven't had a chance to fully look into it. Um, she had like a plain gold ring on her finger and you can see it in the photos when she's holding the gun, but they said like the level, like it's, it was like a slightly cheaper gold. So you wouldn't probably buy it at a jeweler. You'd probably get it more like at a chain store or at a mall or something. Um, but like engraved inside it was the number 333,000. That's weird. Right? Yeah. Um, She also, for this woman that showed up in like thigh high stockings, a black mini skirt, a black, like she had the black shirt. She had the black leather jacket. She was feeling herself. Um, For all of that, she was also wearing a really big clunky diving watch. Right, like, and she apparently at some point there was a pair of colorful shoes in the room, which doesn't really feel like her jam either. Yeah, so like, where the he- where is that extra suitcase? Where is the stuff that was in yeah. it? Yeah, where's anything that tries to connect her to this room? I mean, I just I'm going crazy. I'm just I can't decide which way I'm leaning. I'm kind of leaning towards maybe some sort of secret agent. I'm also kind of leaning towards. Maybe she was trafficked. He was in there in the room when she was checking in. 
He got her to a room and then maybe he took the key cards and was like, well, he'll know if she leaves because she won't be able to get back in. I don't, or maybe she was forced to like go do who knows what. I don't trust pretty much any of the people that were on the same floor. No. I trust the woman that thinks she heard a noise and I'm convinced it was from the next room because that's the room she got the newspaper from. Right. So I'm convinced she was in that room. Who knows? The fact that nobody seemed to really be in that that corridor, is it possible something happened to her in that room? Like he hit her and she heard like the thud of this woman falling and then this guy or maybe multiple guys pick her up and carry her to her room where they like left her there and then started to just lay out the scene. I think honestly, there's so many things that you've posed in this episode that all could be plausible. And again, I get why this is then like the thing keeping you up till (laughs) five o'clock in the morning, because it's like, there's just no, I mean, it's fascinating. And I think that that's the reason why this episode has resonated with so many people is that it, there really feels like it's such a mystery. And I think also obviously like the spy, um, component is also yeah it's titillating right because it's like oh the intrigue that's that's something that's you know rare that you don't think about um you think about that in jason bourne terms and james bond terms you don't think about that you know a woman in her early 20s in the 90s is going to be a full-fledged spy is that possible yes but then that opens up a whole new vault of questions Mm -hmm. which is like how do they find spies? Are they orphans? Is that part of this? Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's, it's, it's, I hear you that I feel like, again, yes, we could do an eight part series on this episode. Will oh, we? Yeah. Who knows? Possibly because <laughs> I love it. Um, but listen, I got to say, we got to wrap it up for now. You're, you're, what's amazing to me is, is that we picked this episode. You, This is the shortest amount of time you've had to research and you've yeah. brought the goods. I mean, the amount of stuff that you have brought <laughs> in this episode is unbelievable. I feel like people listening are going to be like, this is uh, just, again, you've, you've, you just, you've raised the bar for yourself once again and toot toot, Brandy yeah. just <laughs> drove you right through it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm definitely feeling Brandy here with us tonight. I think um, so. I think so. I can't wait to bring her along on another one. And you, what and I like is y- yeah. that you weren't into her at first, and now you're like, she's my she's my co-pilot. Yeah. Well, Brandy, take the wheel. She's. Uh, I, yeah. God, I couldn't put it better myself. I just feel like she's my twin that I like ate in the womb. <laughs> <laughs> but but if I hadn't. She'd be like the party one and I would be the nerd at home studying that's like, oh, I don't like going out. And then she would always be the life of the party. So I just feel deep down, deep down, I've got that party in me, I I guess. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, listen, I thank you as always, Christy Oxborough, a researcher extraordinaire. You never disappoint. Extremely oh. impressive work. And listen, I want to put it out there to the listeners. Do you have a theory about this episode, about Jennifer, about a death in Oslo? Email us, theories at truecrimeandcocktails.com. We always want to hear your theories about any of the episodes, but if you do have one about this one, please send it to us because, I mean, again, Christy outlined so many plausible theories that we want to hear what you think might be the most possible. If you haven't followed us already, go to True Crime and Cocktails on Instagram and Facebook and at Not Detectives on Twitter. Give us a follow. We like to interact. We like to chat with all of you. So reach out to us because we enjoy it. And then the final thing I got to remind you about is this. Go on, like, 
I know it sounds like it's such a cliche, but if you go on and you like what we do, give us a nice rating, leave a nice comment. It actually goes a long way in this crazy podcast world. And we are so appreciative for all the support that all of you have shown us thus far. And we appreciate anybody who's new to us now. Uh, Christy Ospero, thank you again. This was fabulous as always. Uh, I love every second of this. And I'm sorry to anybody watching this because I realize Brandy's made me quite flush. <laughs> She's very flushed. She's very flushed. It was fun to watch it slowly happen over the course of the episode. It was fun for me, like anyway. Like a thermometer, just slowly over slowly, time. Slowly, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you slowly turned fully red. Um, yeah, yeah, well, listen, I'm... A- I'm I'm so excited about these new episodes. Again, I commend you. The level that you brought to this research in a very short amount of time was truly exceptional. And listen, if there's more that we end up finding out, don't worry. We'll we're not above doing update episodes <laughs> or revisiting cases. Don't think that this yeah. is the end to our involvement with Jennifer and a death in Oslo. Uh, because if there's more that comes out, you'll be the first to know dear listeners. Mm -hmm. So thank you once again. We so appreciate all of you. We have the best time. Do you want to say goodnight to the people? Goodnight, people. I don't know why I always lean in as though they won't hear me. (laughs) You're just trying, I think you're just trying to get, you know, you're just trying to get social. You're just trying to really impart the message, which is we appreciate This is is where we do secrets. And this is, the secret is, well, it's not a secret because we're very vocal about it. We just we just love you, you know. We do. Like, we, we appreciate everybody we so very much. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening once again. Uh, we appreciate you joining our true climb. True climb. <laughs> well, the bottle of Lamarca is empty, so that's where I'm at. Toot toot. Well, watch out, Brandy. You're gonna have a stowaway on your on your train trip. We shouldn't be on the road. <laughs> nope, we should not be. Uh, let's pull over and take a nap. No, yeah. uh, we appreciate you joining our true crime slumber party, and we encourage you to tune in next week when we're going to be discussing the Netflix Unsolved Mystery episode, Death Row Fugitive. You don't want to miss it. Good night, everybody. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.